invite you to take your Bible and go to Mark chapter 16. We've been going through Mark's gospel for the last, uh, well now, over a year. And uh, so it made sense this morning to uh, to jump ahead and to look at what um, what Mark's Mark had to say about the the resurrection. Over the past several weeks, we've been uh, we've been covering this the last earthly week of Jesus's life and ministry. And so uh, we this morning we as I said we fast forward just a bit, uh, and then we'll we'll go back and we'll we'll cover some of those. Uh, some of those remaining details about the week leading up to the resurrection, but it made sense since we've been in Mark's gospel to to focus on his account of the resurrection. Now, you've heard me say this before in previous years, uh, but but it's true. The resurrection really is the thing that changes everything. It's the thing that sets Christianity apart from every other world religion. It's it's the thing that makes it worth following after Christ Jesus. For the disciples, it's the single event that changed their lives more than anything else that they experienced. And, and think about that. In all, the, in all the three years that they spent walking with Jesus, day in and day out, by the time they get to this last week of Jesus' life, and, and especially the night that he's arrested, uh, even Peter, who said, uh, Jesus, I'm not, I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to be with you for the whole duration. I'll, I, will, I will fight to the death for you. Uh, he ends up denying Christ three times. The disciples end up scattering as Jesus is arrested, thinking that they're probably next. And it's an encounter with the risen Lord that takes these men who ran in fear on Thursday night and stayed away as Jesus was beaten and taken through a mock trial on Friday morning then ultimately crucified. An encounter with the risen Lord and walking with Him for 40 days afterwards leads those same men end up proclaiming boldly the message of the gospel. You remember a couple weeks ago, or last week, we even looked at Peter and John uh, and the way that when they were arrested for preaching the gospel and they were released on condition that they did not continue to preach the gospel, their response was this, whether it's right in the sight of God for us to obey you is, is, up, is for you to decide, talking to, the, to, uh, to, to judges, but for us, we must proclaim the gospel. An encounter with the risen Lord leads each of these men to suffer great persecution. Proclaiming to the death, never once out of, out of the, uh, the 11 disciples remaining that walked with Christ on the earth, persecuted at different times, put to death at different times, never once did one of them recant and say, you know what, we made it all up. Now, I don't know about you, but if I, if I made up the story and, and they're about to chop my head off for, the, for this story that I made up, that's a really great time to say, you know, we, we were just kind of kidding, right? You know, it was, we, had a, we had a good laugh, right? You should have seen the look on your face. No, right? That's, that's a really good time to say that. 
And yet none of them did. They all, to a man, suffered intense persecution. And all except for the Apostle John end up giving their lives for the sake of the gospel because they encountered the risen Jesus Christ. That's the impact it had on those who, who walked with Christ. And as I said at the beginning, we, we, we gather on Easter Sunday morning to, to, to proclaim this truth, but, but in reality, we gather every single Sunday morning proclaiming this exact same truth. Christ is risen. He's risen indeed. In fact, this is so important that Paul, writing in 1 Corinthians 15, would say that if Christ is not raised, we're still dead in our sins. And, and he would say not, not, you know, we've picked maybe the best of all the world religions to follow and, you know, well, at least I'm a better person. No, Paul would say if Christ is not risen, then we are above all to be pitied. Christ would say, Paul, Paul would say this, he was so convinced that, that Christ Jesus was raised from the dead that he said, if not, I'm the biggest fool who ever lived. That is what, that's how much it meant to him. This truth that Christ is raised from the dead. And so I know it's more poignant on Easter Sunday for us to be reminded that when we gather, we essentially declare war on the powers of darkness, on the power of sin and death, saying you have been defeated once for all because Christ is risen. So if you will, turn with me to Mark chapter 16. Let's read the word of the Lord this morning. Let's stand as we read the word of the Lord. As we read the resurrection account. We'll read, right now, we'll read on down through verse 8. The word of the Lord says this, When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices so that they could go and anoint him. Very early in the morning on the first day of the week, they went to the tomb at sunrise. They were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb for us? Looking up, they noticed that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. When they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he told them. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they put him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there just as he told you. They went out and ran from the tomb because trembling and astonishment overwhelmed them. And they said nothing to anyone since they were afraid. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the opportunity to gather and to declare that Christ is risen. And because of that, we have a living hope. And so I pray, especially on this morning, that we would consider the gravity of that truth. That we would consider your great love for us in sending Christ to the earth to die on the cross in our place. And then that you raised him from the dead so that we might live free of the power of sin and death. 
We ask all these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you. You can have a seat. In, in many ways, the Easter Sunday morning message is, is the easiest of all um, because I get to proclaim this truth that, that, that I prayerfully proclaim week in and week out, and yet this morning we gather really for around one central declaration, one central purpose. That, that is that we believe that He has risen. You know, as I look back over this last uh, now year and uh, about three, four weeks or so, and, and I think back to this time last year, and Easter Sunday, uh, preaching to a camera. I know many of you watched from home, and, uh, and just considering the blessing that it is to be able to gather back. And, you know, we've been, we've been meeting in person since, since Memorial Day, but doesn't it feel good to, to be back in, in the Lord's house for Easter Sunday? Something that, I don't know about y'all, but, but as I've shared before, man, that was something that I took for granted, right? I mean, after all, we, going up, growing up, going to church was just something you did on Sunday morning. It was a it was a habit. It was a routine. And then to not have that for several months um, really reset my, my thinking about this. And so especially on Easter Sunday, as we have the, the privilege to gather together to observe this truth. You know, as you read the, the different gospel accounts, there, there are some details that are, that are slightly different about how the women found the, the tomb and who was there. And was it an angel that was proclaiming that, that Jesus was risen or was it Jesus himself? And, and I'm, I'm fascinated by those differences. But, but, but do you know the, the things that are the same? Let's, let's, let's zero in on those for a minute. First of all, it happened on the day after the Sabbath. We know Jesus was crucified on, on Friday. It's in the According to the Jewish way of thinking, he was crucified on Friday. That was day one. He was in the tomb on Saturday. That was day two. And he was raised from the dead on day three. So when we say he was, he was buried for three days, he was buried on Friday, day one, in the tomb, Saturday, day two, in the raised from the dead, Sunday, day three. I've often wondered about Saturday. As they took his body off the cross and laid him in the tomb on Friday evening before the sun went down so they could observe the Sabbath. And then you have these followers of Christ whose lives were turned upside down and who no doubt wanted to go and prepare the body, who no doubt wanted to go maybe and weep at the tomb, but because of the Sabbath, they waited. What a, what a painful day Saturday must have been. If you've ever experienced the loss of a close, close loved one, you, you know that, that for a couple of days there's just this fog that's happening that kind of going through the motions. And I imagine that's what all of Jesus' followers were experiencing. That, that Saturday was just this fog of, of what, what, did we, what did we witness yesterday? What, what do we do with the last three years of our lives now? No doubt the disciples were probably thinking to themselves, we, we've left everything. We, we left Homes, we left businesses, we left families to follow after Jesus. Now what? But I'm fascinated that as hard as it must have been, they observed the Sabbath. They kept God's law. And as early as they could after the sun arose on Sunday morning, 
these women went to the tomb. Now that's also interesting because in first century culture, the testimony of a woman was not considered reliable enough to be admissible in a court of law. So one of the, one of the criticisms of, of Christianity is that, well, they just made this story up. This was just the, the disciples trying to, trying to account for why they spent three years of their lives following Jesus and, and trying to keep that, uh, that legend of Jesus going. So, so they, they made up this story. One of the things they, that would not have been done if they made it up was to send women to the tomb to try to make it a, a believable story. And yet those whom society had written off, God Almighty elevates by allowing these women to be the first ones at the tomb. And they go in, and despite some of the details being different, do you know what every single gospel writer records? The tomb is empty. And they're perplexed because that doesn't normally happen, right? We, we as people are not used to, to tombs being empty. If, if you know where a loved one is buried, you, you expect to find them there when you, when you go back. Yet they found this tomb was empty. John's gospel, the, the ladies go back and tell the disciples and, and Peter, and they tell them, hey, um, we went to the tomb this morning and, and, and he wasn't there and, and they don't believe him. Or they, they don't believe the women, so they, they go running to the tomb to go look for themselves. We have to see this with our own eyes. And you know what they find? They find the tomb's empty. And it tells us that they walked away kind of scratching their heads going, well, that's weird. One of the other um, potential outcomes that's been presented here is, well, they just got the tomb wrong. They just got the tomb wrong. Um, I don't know about y'all, but if you, if, you, if you have a cemetery where you have a loved one buried, um, it's not going to take me very long to find where they're buried. Right? And I know the spot. See, all of the if, if, if that's true, if they got the wrong tomb, one of, one of the easy ways to disprove that would have been just to simply take them to the right tomb, right? No, see, you just, you, you were off by a quarter of a mile. It's actually this tomb. And do you know that throughout history, no one's been able to present the tomb of Jesus because he's risen. And this singular moment changed history. You know, as, as Christians, the, the symbol for us has become the cross. And, and, and for good reason. Because it's on the cross where Jesus took the penalty that you and I deserved. It's where we, we see him taking the death, dying the death that, that our sin deserved. And and as Paul would describe in 2 Corinthians 5, he took our sin upon himself and died the death that, that we should have died. So there's good reason that the cross becomes the, the symbol of Christianity. But, but believe it or not, the cross is not the most important part of the story. Hundreds, maybe even thousands of people were crucified by the Roman government. That was not uncommon. 
What was uncommon is that three days later, the body was not still in the grave. And it's that truth that gives us hope this morning. Because in taking God's wrath that that was designed for us because of our sin, the sin that separated us from Almighty God, and taking that upon himself, and in dying the death that we deserved, Jesus allowed us to come back into relationship with Christ, in relationship with God. He removed that wall of separation. But in rising from the dead, he defeated our biggest enemy as human beings. He took the sting away from death. And throughout the New Testament, the Scriptures declare this, that because Christ rose from the dead, our enemy has been defeated once for all. And now death is not the end of the story for us. It's just a doorway to true life, eternal life with Almighty God. This is how Paul would describe what happened in that moment when Christ died and took our, died the death that we deserved and three days later when he rose from the dead. In Romans 5, this is how he describes that. For while we were still helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For rarely will someone die for a just person, though for a good person, perhaps someone might even dare to die. But God proves his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. How much more then, since we have now been justified by his blood, will we be saved through him from wrath? For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, then how much more Having been reconciled, will we be saved by his life? Not only that, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received this reconciliation. Brothers and sisters, this is where our hope lies, that we, if you've placed your faith and trust in Christ Jesus, we have been set free from the law of sin and death. Christ who took our place on the cross. Then who defeated the power of sin and death once for all when he rose from the dead on that Sunday morning. And so yes, today, let's let's remember that truth. Let's celebrate that truth. Let that give you comfort that no matter what else we face in life, and, and haven't we been reminded over the last year that that life can still be Tough. Life can still throw us curveballs. And as grateful as I am that that we're seeing a vaccine and and we have the promise of life returning back to normal, whatever that means, we have to remember our hope as believers isn't in a vaccine. Even if we're to face another pandemic Next month, our our hope is not in an eventual vaccine. Our hope is not in normal. Our hope is in Christ Jesus. 
and in him raised from the dead. And that reminds us that no matter what happens, whether we can go and and continue to eat in restaurants or not, whether one day, Lord willing, the movie theater gets to reopen or not, Those are nice things, right? I mean, we, those, those are things, obviously, as a society we enjoy. That's, that's not where our hope is. Our hope is in Christ Jesus. And the truth that we declare this Sunday and every week, Christ is risen. So believers, rest in that. And isn't it so easy to get caught up in the things of, of life? To get caught up in just the stuff that we that we think matters. Believers, let us find our hope in Christ Jesus. And for those here this morning or watching us online who are not yet believers, let me invite you today to place your hope and faith and trust in Christ Jesus by praying something like this, Lord, I'm a sinner and I want to be forgiven. I believe Jesus Christ, your son, died for my sins and is alive right now. I turn away from my sin and now confess Jesus Christ as my Lord and receive him into my life. And I ask you, Lord Jesus, to control my life. And I thank you for giving me eternal life. So as we prepare to leave this place this morning, let us remember that our hope, our living Hope is found in the Savior who walked out of the tomb on that Sunday morning. Let us rejoice. Let us be bold 